But guess what? We got a lot to do. You gotta say hi to me. We go back a long way. She was 12, I was 30, but anyway. This woman helped me get an awful lot done. At any rate, but right now. She was 12, I was 30, I said, I was making popcorn. I said, sugar, come sit on my lap. We can touch each other's leg hairs, even outside the pool. I definitely shouldn't have said that. Okay, well, remember kids, don't sniff other kids. Wait, no, no, no. Make sure to sniff kids while you're still a kid. Once you're old, you can't do it. Hell, they wouldn't even let you shower with your own daughter anymore. Isn't that weird that the entire audience was applauding at that? Yay, our president's a pedophile! Isn't it incredible that the entire job as president is supposed to be just to be a smooth talker? And look at, look at the way these people operate. Here he is just going, I remember when, when, when you were 12, no explanation. Well, what exactly are you recalling here, Mr. President? How come this lady isn't all over the news? Tell me this isn't the most interesting news story of the entire week. How come this lady isn't on every single news show? How do we track down this 12-year-old and go, hey, so why haven't you called up uh, Mr. Biden? Sounds like when, uh, when you were 12, you guys were pretty good pals. Guys just waiting to hear from you. He misses that scent. Uh, he, he's been he's been trying to track down that hair for the last 20 years. Can you imagine Biden? He's just up there. He's giving a speech, and he's like, that's the first time I sniffed hair. And he's got ADD like I do. That's why he can't remember stuff, and he just can't comment. Look at that glow. Look at that little glow in Biden's eyes where he's like, oh, my God, I remember that face. Although she's probably old and gross now, too. I mean, at 30 and 12, and now he's like 100, so that makes her like, you know, like 998 or whatever. So, you know, that, that lady, that, can't, that, that hair can't sniff good anymore. If anything, he's looking to make that connection because he knows that she probably procreated, and she might have kids and daughters, and then, you know, Biden can get back into the uh, hair-sniffing game. And uh, there you go, everybody. Welcome to the uh, to the Sunday broadcast of the Run Your Mouth podcast, uh, where I've got all sorts of uh, you know censored materials for you. I'm the uh, I'm the YouTube strike king. You go you go back over the Corona archive, and uh, you know we're 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 juggling multiple outlets and uh, more strikes than most. Like I've said, if this was a game of bowling, I'd be winning. Uh, this episode's going to be even more ADD than usual because uh, we're we're going to go quicker. We're we're going to go even faster paced. You know, normally we've been ramping up. We're coming into 2023. It's the final quarter of the year, and I want to get even faster. I want to be the fastest news program you guys have ever seen. So a lot of nonsense today, a lot of really quick, uh, quick, quick snaps, quick stories, except at the end, we're going to lead in. Uh, we are going to be covering the book, the Bigfoot of January 6th, Ray Epps, because he's still out there. And now the Democrats are coming to say, shame on you. How dare you bring up this man's fine names? He's just trying to live his life with the government paychecks we're sending his way for starting that riot that we needed. How dare you bring up this man's name? Leave him alone. He was the one noble participant of the entire January 6th extravaganza. Everyone else that's out there, they hate our country. They're violent, extreme terrorists. But that Ray Epp guy, don't know. I don't know who you're talking I mean, at this point... Don't you think they would just shove him into a jail cell for a little bit so that you wouldn't just have this lingering question? I mean, is that the guy who's actually sitting behind the scene and he's writing like the Biden teleprompters? Like he's really pulling the strings. He's the guy who's giving Biden his marching orders going, hey, listen, go stand there on that stage. And then he gets off stage and he goes, hey, I don't have where, where, where's my marker. Oh, shit. Am I still on camera? Where am I supposed to go? Oh, my God. I'm totally lost. 
Someone, bring me a teleprompter quickly with some instructions. I'm looking like a real asshole right now. So anyways, that's important. But that's at the end of the show. Between now and we when we get to that uh, to the uh, to the Ray Epps story, complete and total nonsense. And if for some reason Thomas Massey is out there listening to the show, I'd like to have your children. I know that that's not currently possible unless you've got Nancy Pelosi's technology for making butt babies in labs. But, you know, I, I'm willing to experiment in this regard just so that you and I can procreate because you're doing the Lord's work. And I, I guess that's the weirdest way of saying thank you, Thomas Massey, for being out there and being super cool. Maybe we could just have a beer together sometime. You know, maybe we could just do that. Hopefully I'll track you down. All right. Here we go. First news story of the day. The U.S. has sent private warnings to Russia against using a nuclear weapon. I don't know if this story is letting us know that it's under control or even more serious. Because uh, this is very confusing. Like, are they telling us, hey, listen, I know that it looks like things are ramping up, but we're sending them private messages. Like, w- what kind of a situation would we be where Putin goes to get so angry he goes, uh, that's it, I'm going to use my nukes. That's not a Putin accent in any capacity. But, you know, Putin's out there and he goes, that's it, we're doing nuclear war. I'm going to use my nukes. And then someone goes, well, d- d- we had private conversations with them. You can't be sending out the nukes. And he's like, ah, shit, I guess I'll just have to kill more Ukrainians. I forgot about private conversations. And then this is from the actual article. The State Department has been involved in the private communications with Moscow, but officials would not say who delivered delivered the messages or the scope of their content, which is just another example of breaking news. We'd like to remind you, we don't have any information for you at this time, but it's important non-information. We might be on the verge of nuclear war, but don't worry. We're having private conversations that no one knows who's having the conversations or what might be taking place at those conversations. I think the guy knows that it's probably not a good idea to nuke someone unless things get serious. I can't imagine. All right, so, you know, thank you for the Washington Post for reminding us that they don't have any news for us at this time. Uh, All right, now here's an interesting story. This is from uh, uh, Cheney. She's out there, you know, keeping her father's legacy alive, making sure that we can continue to be a grand republic out there fighting wars, hopefully torturing people if she can get her way and really restore her father's legacy. We got to live in the United States of America that has enhanced interrogations once again, because that's when we have true patriots. When we have people out there fighting wars and making sure that we're getting maximum profits to military companies that they worked for before they were in government and bankrupting the United States of America. That's when we're really a republic. That's what this thing's about. So she's out there and, you know, Donald Trump came along and kind of unseated a lot of the uh, traditional Republican Party that would have been out there trying to stir up more wars. And so she she knows we can't be having a Republican Party that's uh, not, you know, more aggressive about wars than the Democratic Party. We need two options. We need very, very aggressive and super aggressive about wars. And so if we have a Republican Party that's not going to be more aggressive than the Democratic Party, then we're not providing the voters of the United States of America with the options that they need to decide just how aggressive we want to be with wars. You know, this is uh, we're heading in the wrong direction. All right. So anyways, she's been out there. She's been making this uh, television series called uh, Donald Trump. He's not a nice guy. 
and and everyone should uh, and look at what he did with the January sixth thing. And there was going to be one week of uh, pay per view only. I mean, they were selling it like it was pay per view, but it was just on TV. And then slowly the ratings are just going down. No one gives a shit. There's no big splash, and they had to get primetime television producers and get it into the primetime slots. The people so good at television, they shut down the uh, the Epstein story when they were working at uh, I don't know if it was NBC or MSNBC. You get the best people in propaganda. You get up there on Showtime. You make sure that any of the Republicans who uh, might have actually taken a different uh, perspective aren't on this committee because then they might look into, you know, what actually happened, the FBI's involvement, whether or not Nancy Pelosi wasn't allowing the security measures that were needed on the day, you know, all the interesting topics. And then you, what, you're going to go on to primetime TV without any interesting parts of the series there? And you think you're actually going to get viewers? All right, so anyways, this is from Week Magazine. Let's read this article. House passes bill barring Congress from interfering with electoral results. The House on Wednesday passed an electoral reform bill that would block attempts from president to use Congress uh, to overrule election results, the Washington Post reports. It was the first time lawmakers have voted on such an effort since the January 6, 2021 attack when a mob of supporters of former President Donald Trump stormed the Capitol to block the certification of President Biden's victory, the Post writes. The Presidential Election Reform Act was co-written by Rips Liz Cheney and Zoe Lofgreen. The bill identifies the Capitol incident as a reason to reform the existing Electoral Count Act of 1887 and prevent other future unlawful efforts to overturn presidential elections. So here's where I get confused. If the effort was unlawful, why do you need new laws? Was the last one not clear? And maybe what he did wasn't unlawful? I'm not understanding why a new, like, if what he did was so incredibly terrible and treasonous and violation of all of our laws and the norms of the Republic, and he was completely crazy and no good standing lawyer would possibly say that what he could do was legal. Now, I'm not saying what he did was right. What I'm saying is there's interesting that Donald Trump is a dirty trickster. Did he sit down? He actually looked at the rule books and he's like, oh, I think I know a weird way. Because they haven't even explained what his scheme was. So he's trying to kick it back to the states. And then what? Just to do a recount and then find out, uh, confirm that he lost? Or was he actually trying to unseat the people so that he could just... Like, did he actually find some weird hack in the system that that shouldn't exist on the rule books, but he was right and that he could have done it? And if not, why do you need this new law? But you would need people to actually report on news, not just let you know that there are calls between uh, private conversations. All right, like I said, we're keeping things moving today. Here, this is from CNN. The special master overseeing the Mar-a-Lago documents investigation has ordered former President Donald Trump's lawyer to back up um, to back up out-of-court assertions that the FBI may have planted evidence at the property during their search last month. And let me just tell you, this special master thing is not working out for Trump. You know, he thought he was going to get a special master in there and that they were going to, you know, really fuck over the Justice Department where the Justice Department saying we're we've got all these documents we got all, and then he would slow down the process and you try and ask Trump you tell Trump that legally speaking he has to actually back up his bullshit that's that's kryptonite to Trump I mean this is rocks paper scissors shoot and Donald Trump you know he's bullshit that that's his scissors and now you're coming in with rocks game over you can't be throwing people at Donald Trump. And by the way, this seems like a weird one because how is he supposed to prove that something wasn't planted if he doesn't actually know what they took? They just came into his house. They uh, they took everything. You know, Donald Trump's not organized, doesn't even know what's there. And now they're telling us that we need the specific evidence of what they plant. Well, how do I know until they show up in court? And then I go, well, that clearly wasn't there. I'm going to have to wait till find out.
keeping things moving. Here's a fun one. Pandemic unemployed fraud estimate rises to $45.6 billion. A federal watchdog tripled its earlier estimate of benefits that the U.S. government paid to people who weren't entitled to them. We're going to end up finding out that all the money went abroad, nobody who needed it got it, and somehow everything's still becoming more expensive because of the money that went out. Also, just how incredible is this that, like, firstly, it takes so much time till we find out that, like, they fuck these things up. It's like the same thing with, uh, well, not not vaccines. Not, nothing that they had people take. It's not that that's going to take time to unwind. Let's go with other examples of, you know, that's what it does. It takes forever until you find out that they messed up. But in this case, they go, we're here to help. It's so important that we go full socialism. That government takes control over the economy, tells certain individuals that they can't show up to work. We take over critical industries. We tell people to come home. We go, but don't worry. We can go full socialism because we can afford it and we can send you the help. And then they didn't even send the help to the people that needed the help. They couldn't even get the help part right. Like, so forget about the unintended consequences of pretending like you help when you can't help. You didn't even help. You didn't even send most of this money to the people that needed it. Like the unintended consequences is that you, you shut down industries and then they, you know, you end up with uh, supply line issues. You end up with people not wanting to show up back to work. You end up with pilots who go, all right, I'll take the early retirement. And then airlines that are like, shit, we kind of needed those pilots. We didn't realize people were going to get back to living their life in a year. Fuck me. We don't have enough pilots anymore. Uh, the unintended consequences. This to me, it's like all the government money, it's a deal with the devil. Because we all like money. Money's great. And then they hand you money and you're like, oh my God, this is incredible. I get money. And then you turn around to spend it and all of a sudden it's not worth as much. It's like eating, uh, like it's like a delicious cake is presented to you and you start eating it and for some reason it doesn't taste good. So you start consuming even more of it because you're trying to overcompensate for lack of flavor and then you just get progressively sicker and sicker and then they come by and now you're addicted to cake and they're offering you more cake but you just can't get it off and now I'm really just describing my life instead of the government's problems. Uh, but the point I'm trying to make is that so they hand us the money and firstly the money doesn't even go to the people. They couldn't even get the help part right. So I'm saying forget about the unintended consequences of pretending like they can help which we'll get into in a second. They didn't even get the money to the right people. They didn't even help when they were helping. Now, in terms of the consequences of the money, most people, they like to uh, focus on the inflation. They like to go, oh, this is weird. I have more money, but I can't buy as much with it. But what they don't notice are all the credit asset bubbles, which I may or may not do another end of year thing. It's a topic that I'd like to get into where government makes more money available for particular industries. And so what happens? You can't enjoy those industries. The price just goes up. That's why houses are the way they are. That's what happened to college tuition. And you feel all good. Government goes, hey, I'd like to give you this money. I'd like to help you out. But then you go to spend the money. And since they made more money available, the demand goes up, the price goes up, and now you're just more in debt. Thanks, government. Thanks for stepping into the market and making sure that I've got more debt and that I'm more ingrained into the system. All right, let's take a minute. Let's take a, let's take a couple of, uh, of comments here. We got Zach C saying, I like money. We've got stinky, slinky bopper. I've done that with cake. We all have. And then we've got Luke Tweed, our uh, resident homeless man from Seattle. I was watching a church on YouTube. Uh, scene was uh, Robbie was on fire is cooler. Fair enough. 
Um, Luke, don't run out of teeth. Next time I'm out there, I, I demand another tooth as payment for coming to my show. Uh, that's a real story, everybody. Uh, B, I'm starting to think Rob loves credit asset bubbles. That is fake news. I don't love it. I mean, I find them interesting. If you're telling me I find them interesting, I do find them interesting. But no, I don't love the destruction of our society while government pretends like it's helping. How dare you claim such things? But you know what I do love? Yo, Kratom, home of the $60 kilo. Because they, they just come through with the best possible price for Kratom. You're not going to find a better deal anywhere else. So if you're into that stuff, go buy it from the people that sponsor this show. All right, our next case, Alex Jones. He's back in court. We're not going to play the footage this time because uh, last time it seemed like I bored people. I went really into the weeds. I spent an entire day in my hotel room clipping every little clip from the trial instead of playing craps. And I should have been playing craps that day because I was watching this guy. And oh, my God, I mean, I think he made a couple hundred thousand dollars. But I'm like, no, I'm about to change the world with this Run Your Mouth podcast because once I get these perfectly organized clips up, everyone in the universe is going to realize I do the best news program. So don't get distracted by the hundreds of thousand dollars you could be making on this craps table with this guy who's probably breaking all of the casino records. You've got a hotel room to sit in while it's your one time in Vegas to make sure you have perfect clips. So we're not going to make that mistake again. But so in this Alex Jones case, uh, you know, he's there and he's like, I'm done apologizing. I did it. He's, he's done. He's checked out. He's like, you guys are trying to take all my money and forget it. I already apologized. And uh, the, the whole structure of these court cases is uh, is very strange. I think Alex Jones at this point... Because the, the 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 judge basically explains to him he's not allowed to really defend himself while he's at the stand. He's got to answer the specific questions. The guy's obviously playing a game to make Alex Jones look like an asshole. That's the game. You sit down in a chair, and then the 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 guy who's trying to make as much money for his clients as possible gets to play the game of, all right, I'm going to ask you these specific questions to make you look like an asshole. And so he carefully constructs questions to make you look like an asshole. And then you're told, well, you're not allowed to really answer the question, to give the scope of the question. It's it's actually the opposite of what happens when these people are in front of Congress, because then you got a judge who sits there and goes, it's yes, no, or I don't know. I actually think John, uh, I'm sorry, John Jones, that's retarded. Alex Jones would be best off just saying, I don't know. And then it becomes, well, how do you not know? And you go, well, I could give you more information as to why I'm confused by your question, but I've been told that I'm not allowed to, uh, you know, ask or give any context here. So I'm very confused about your question. That's the card I would play. I would just play very confused about how you're supposed to answer the questions with the limitations that have been put upon you by the court. But I'm going to read this one line from the Washington Post because I think it's important. Um, the size and scope of damages awarded by the jury will be closely watched at a time of heightened concern about online misinformation and disinformation. It matters what these verdicts are because it tells us how much we think people are harmed by this type of speech, Levinson said. It tells us that this might be an effective way to try and shut down the Alex Joneses of the world. There you go. Not even, I'd be just saying it point blank. It's not conspiracy theory to go that this is a form of censorship to make it that people like me can't do this, can't share their opinions. And so this is a way of putting a dollar tag on the amount of damages that can happen from being wrong uh, in terms of, you know, do, doing news analysis or asking questions. So we need to put a specific dollar tag. And by the way, I refer you to the last episode where I pointed out if there's damages from the story then there should be damages by the people who amplified the story 
all the news people that are they're doing the same thing. If Alex Jones goes, hey, here's some crazy shit that I'm going to say because it's going to give me views. And then someone else comes along and goes, oh, my God, look at the crazy shit that guy's saying because it's going to give them more views. You're playing the exact same game. I don't understand the morality of going, oh, only Alex Jones is in the game of going crazy shit. So, yeah, I guess you're one step removed. Like you're basically sitting there going, all right, crazy shit gets eyeballs. I'm not allowed to say crazy shit, but I can go, isn't it wrong that this guy's saying crazy shit? And then I can put it right in front of the people that would be offended by it. And then you don't get to uh, differentiate and go, well, listen, I'll pay the damages for the crazy shit I said to my audience, but I'm not going to pay the damages for the fact that it was amplified. The fact that NBC put up a billboard and went, look, we're criticizing Alex Jones for saying this terrible thing about you. Well, you're the one who's putting it up on a billboard in front of the people that would be offended by it. And then here you go. They're saying it directly. It's not just about that the family was harmed by this. And so they should be compensated for the harm. Once again, Alex Jones did not do the terrible thing to these kids. If anything, let's give him the benefit. Well, let's not give him the benefit of the doubt. If anything, he's out there and he's commenting on it. It doesn't, he can't bring the kids back to life. He didn't do the actual crime to them. It's like, they kind of gets conflated. We're in court. They try and like, isn't this the most horrible thing that happened? Yes. What happened to your kids is absolutely terrible. I'd like to remind, I didn't do it. But here, they're directly saying, this is so, the work that we're doing is so important. And it's not about uh, getting money to the parents on unclear damages. It's about censoring individuals and making sure that other people uh, I guess can't be wrong on the internet in the future. All right, here we go. Let's continue. What else we got? I don't want to play this. It's boring. Uh, oh, yeah. All right, the ultimate Jew rat. Here we go. Let's listen to this clip from the ultimate Jew rat. I love Raskin. Let's go. Donald Trump sends out another tweet. Oh, wait, I got to make a change to the soundboard. Hold on. I was getting too excited. Here we go. Introducing once again the ultimate Jew rat. After he knows Pence is in danger to say Mike Pence did not have the courage to do what needed to be done. I mean, how far does this have to go before you people wake up? And now they pick this poor guy Epps out of nowhere and say, let's blame the entire thing on this guy. Well, did you it's the most absurd thing I've ever seen in my life. Quick question. I'm sorry? Mr. Epps was in front of the January 6th committee and we were told that a transcript of his interview would be released, but it's never been released. And I wondered, was he sworn None in? of the transcripts have been released, so you don't need a conspiracy theory about that. We haven't well, released any of were them. Were you present when he was interviewed? That would give me... No, I was not. I was not. We've done more than a thousand interviews. You guys are trying to make this poor schmuck who showed up to your protest into something a lot bigger than he is. Okay, he's just trying to survive, and he's on your side. You don't have many voters left. You might want to try to hang on to them without demonizing and vilifying your own people. That's the Donald Trump way. Sell everybody else down the road. Unless you're going to get a pardon. Some people are still hanging around waiting for their pardon. But most people have there you go. opened All of a sudden, their eyes about we're, what They're concerned about with. the poor schmucks that got entangled in the January 6th thing. All of a sudden, like, uh, you know, the New York Times is writing articles. And by the way, it could be that this guy turns out to be nothing. But guess what? The conspiracy or the idea that perhaps government played a role in January 6th, that there were agent provocateurs, there were people on the front lines opening up these doors, there were purposely not enough security on the ground. All that can still be accurate. 
The fact, though, that you've got a guy who's clearly on camera going, hey, we're going to go into the Capitol. He's actually there whispering into someone's ear when uh, when uh, when they're uh, first kind of going through the front lines. He seems to be provoking everything that's taking place. For some reason, he knows that there's going to be explosions on the streets, which we're going to defer to Thomas Massey in a minute, who's going to be, uh, well, I'm basically repeating his talking point. So you're going to hear him say this on the floor. Uh, but all of a sudden, when it comes to this one individual, they're all like, hey, this guy's a poor... Well, if we, if you guys view these people as poor schmucks too, can we get them out of jail? If we're saying that there's a group of dumbasses who were really uh, misled by the president, some of which didn't engage in violence. They just watched doors get open, got carried away, and took a little walk around and took some pictures without waiting on a line. But if we're going to be viewing these people as poor schmucks, uh, first is... Can we let them out? And secondly, why is, if this was the most violent thing that's ever taken place and these people are domestic terrorists, why is the one guy who's out there uh, seemingly actually like an organizer and a provocateur and looking to engage in criminal conduct of going into the building, then why is that guy a poor schmuck? Doesn't that defy all the logic of everything you've been saying about how dangerous January 6th is? Seems to be uh, contradictory. And then let's watch... uh, Thomas Massey, this is at a, uh, uh, we're just going to listen to a couple minutes in terms of, uh, I think the most indicting part is that Thomas Massey does point out that one, we've got this guy saying, let's actually go into the building. And two, he seems to have knowledge of the fact that there's going to be explosive devices. Uh, Why wouldn't this be the number one person that we'd be having conversations with? And why is this guy seemingly one of the few individuals who uh, doesn't seem to be in a lot of trouble? Let's give it a listen. He hasn't done it. How many agents or assets of the federal government were present on January 5th and January 6th and agitating to go into the Capitol? Here are the kind of things that we need to get. The Epic Times reported that Epps said in an interview with the FBI, I was afraid they were going to set off an explosion on one of the side streets, Epps said in an interview. Why don't we have that interview? Why have none of us heard that interview? And this is the only man who had a premonition that there were going to be pipe bombs on January 6th, and then we find pipe bombs, one of them at the DNC, where Kamala Harris, Vice President-elect, Senator Kamala Harris, was taken to the DNC, allegedly, while this pipe bomb was there. The Secret Service swept the area and they, they found nothing, they put it there. Later, they find the pipe bomb. How did Ray Epps know that there were gonna be pipe bombs? Also, the other thing that we need to know, this is, comes from a New York Times article. Mr. Epps also said he regretted sending a text to his nephew well after the violence had erupted in which he discussed how he helped to orchestrate the movements of people who were leaving Trump's speech near the White House by pointing them in the direction of the Capitol. Why don't we have that text? Does the FBI have the text? Does the New York Times have the text? Why are we getting Mr. Pillow's guy's phone and not Mr. Epps' guy's, or or Mr. Let's... We can pause it there. You guys can go uh, find this online, watch the entire thing from Mr. Massey. But I think at a minimum, it would be fair to say that if January 6th is the worst thing that's ever taken place and there were violent extremist terrorists out on that day trying to take over our country and we're going to pour in all sorts of resources into making sure this never takes place again, 
why wouldn't this at least be a person of interest and why wouldn't there be more transparency about whether or why this guy is not being investigated? And like I said, we might be overplaying our uh, Ray Epps uh, January 6th Bigfoot card in which it turns out that he actually is some poor schmuck that just got suckered into the moment. But isn't it incredibly weird and shady that amongst all the conversation about how terrible that day was and how terrible everything that happened was, we're not getting more information on that guy? All right. A couple, uh, couple more quick uh, stories for you guys. This is from Wall Street Journal Opinion. Uh, I thought this was interesting. So you got the Democrats and they're out there and they're telling us, hey, we don't need energy. We don't need it. We've got windmills. We've got green energy. If anything, we've got to start making gigantic strides into ignoring the fact that nuclear might be carbon, uh, you know, free and help us get our energy. Uh, And the fact that we've got all this natural gas and we've got a lot of resources that we could be putting into pipelines and other materials uh, to make sure that we had energy that was more abundant. We could be investing in coal, nuclear, pipelines, and, uh, you know, drilling, and things that would get us more energy. Uh, But instead, we're going to say that we've got to pivot now to the green energies, uh, because if we don't, then the the world's going to be dying very soon because of all the carbon. Uh, And amidst all of that going on, it appears, let's read the line, Biden has allowed over 200 million barrels to be withdrawn. Now, that doesn't strike me as much until I find out that that's more than 30% of the total reserves he inherited intended to be used in case of urgent need. So we've got our emergency oil supply in case of an urgent need, which I would think that like OPEC completely turned us off or something else. I would have thought we had like a four-year oil supply. That would have just been my guess. And amidst just releasing our strategic reserve, which I think was just to try and bring down prices that he wouldn't look as bad. But talk about borrowing from future generations and just being a dumbass in terms of being prepared for an emergency, blowing through. It's like beyond all the spending that you're doing, giving kids back, you know, their unearned student loan debts, trying to do everything that you can to bribe every individual uh, with future people's money. You're even dipping into like it's like the money's not even enough. Now we even have to dip into the physical assets that we're supposed to have for an emergency. And I guess in this case, the emergency was trying to bring down uh, the oil prices. But it's like you're also pretending that the oil is not important while at the same time you're using the emergency reserves. It's like a kid telling his mom he doesn't need to go get a job because he doesn't need money. And then he's like stealing the cash out of the purse. It's like you you guys are actively making sure that we don't have the energy resources that we need. But then you're also dipping into the emergency reserves at the same time. Makes very little sense to me. Mayor of New York's moles plan to build tent city for influx of migrants. I got to say, I don't I don't totally hate what uh, what Mayor Eric Adams is doing here. Because he's the one person who's kind of standing up and going, I don't care how much footage you show me. There's uh, the, the morality is, let's let these people into the country. They're looking for a better opportunity. And I know that we have jobs that are available that people in this area don't want to do. So let's make some magic happen. Let's, let's let these people come in and let's start giving them some jobs. And I, you know what? I kind of admire the philosophy. I kind of would prefer if we had open borders, we didn't have all these benefits and you know, all these other people are just trying to pretend like there isn't a problem or just trying to like bounce these people to other locations. He's the one guy who's going, Hey, let's, uh, let's try and help these people out and let's try and make it work. Like he's actually 
keeping to his philosophy, which I kind of respect. Uh, I guess there is an oddity that you, you probably don't have enough housing in New York City for the current homeless. You got all these people that are, explo- are escaping to, you know, Florida and other tax codes for more favorable treatment. Uh, you got crime rates going up in New York City. So it doesn't seem like a winning policy amidst everything that's going on in New York to go, hey, we're going to try and house as many of these uh uh, these people, and then the optics of tent cities when you look at these other towns. But I will say, if you're looking to, you know, get more tents in, I think what they should do is go down to California. You find the most homeless person that you can find, and then you can bring that guy as an engineer. And then, you know, like he could be like your contractor. He looks at a bridge and he's like, yeah, we, I, we could easily fit 40 tents under that bridge. I mean, how far out onto the sidewalk are you willing to go? Because, uh, I mean, I could be bringing tents right up to the street. We could get like 60. All right, cool. Yeah, I mean, that's 60 under this bridge in that park over there. Uh, so are you going to be opening up that for Because I can, I can get a couple thousand tents, especially. Are you going to let them on the, like the actual playground? I could probably fit like an easy three people on this slide. Uh, you know, what, go down to California and just pluck one of these people right out of Tent City, and then you can figure out just how many tents we can get on the streets. I only recently saw at Thompson Square Park uh, some tents out, like on the outside of the park late at night the last time I was in the city. Uh, that was not something that was ever there. And uh, it, I will say it, it, it uh, creeps you out a little bit. All right, a couple more news stories. Uh, we got Liz Cheney said she would campaign for Democrats or just whoever's pushing war. Uh, whatever side's going to push war, you got to preserve Dick's legacy, uh, and pretending like we're not going to fight and then just funding Ukraine. That's not good enough. Our work's not, our work is not done until we bring back an America that's okay with torture. And then this was, people were applauding. This was, uh, the Texas Tribune. They asked her, what is the best piece of advice that your father has given you? And, uh, you would think like you would go Hey, Dick Cheney, kind of an evil guy. I mean, we, we shouldn't even be listening to his advice. We shouldn't be celebrating his legacy. And we should be questioning as to why his daughter is so readily uh, allowed into polite society. But here he is. What is the best piece of advice that your father has given you? She responds, uh, he said to her, defend the Republic daughter, and I will. You know, just torture, the, the, the real advice when we weren't there. Torture wherever you have to. Uh, we, we've got military contractors with changing names that need to be supported. And it doesn't matter for bankrupting the country at all costs. I was a CEO there once and we have to make sure that they have their profits. Uh, Finland shuts down border with Russia as military age men flee. And, uh, I would think, you know, Russia's got to put together its forces. Wouldn't it be better optics if all the other countries did everything they can to try and let men out of the country? One of that work, I mean, it wasn't Finland trying to get into NATO. So if one of the assets in war are your soldiers, and like imagine if the tanks just started, were, could drive themselves and just drove to the other side of the border, and now all of a sudden you had their military equipment. Imagine that. Or imagine if the planes could just fly themselves, or they called up and they said, hey, I'm the pilot and I'm just going to give you this plane. You're, you got to go fight these people at war. Imagine their oil reserves called you up and said, hey, you want you want all the oil? Hey, I'm the oil. I'm in the oil well. And uh, if you open up your border, I'll just come over and you can now have me. You would think if you're at a war with someone and you're trying to win the war and the people that would have to fight the war are going to flee so that they can't fight in it. Doesn't that help you? Why would you want to close that border? Why does, doesn't it just sound like evil here? Like we're trying to force the people to go fight us? 
It's like, hey, this, this war is wrong and immoral, but you better go fight it. Your, your country's calling upon you to come back here and die fighting us. So you better get back in there and, and fight us. Um, I am open. I'll state it. You know, you got your Dave Smiths, you got your Scott Hordens, and they're out there, and they're, 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 they're anti-war on the moral grounds of the horribleness of it. I'd like to hear someone come in here, make the immoral case, and tell us why it actually benefits us. You know, you got a revolution in Iran. I don't know. Maybe us not trading with them and making them the axis of evil. Maybe we managed to get that people of that government to overthrow themselves. And who knows? Maybe we'll turn backwards into like an ISIS type situation where the entire country's in chaos and people don't have food like a Libya type thing. But I guess there's one less uh, area of the world that we're going to have to worry about that government fighting us or coming up with nukes. Or I don't know, maybe in the Ukraine, maybe may, like where, how do you even win with Putin without it ending up in a nuclear war? I mean, how can you possibly push this guy? What, what do you think? He's just going to resign. He's just going to say, hey, guys, I'm sorry. Like, he's just going to escalate the war, and then he's going to continue to look bad on his country because he's seemingly not winning. And so he's just going to keep doubling down, doubling down because he's too stupid to realize that he can't win and that the thing's not favorable. And then at some point, he'll just realize, oh, that was a bad idea. And then he'll just, he'll just peacefully step down so that we can try him as a war criminal. I'd like to see that one happen. All right, and then, uh, yeah, we could play this. Can I play this? No, we'll save that for the next episode. It's on college debt. It's with Elizabeth Warren making a fake phone call to someone who had her uh, college debt uh, removed from this new law. And I thought I had one more story. Motherfucker. Let's go. What are we doing here? Come on. Let's go. All right, we might as well take a moment to uh, plug Sheath Underwear. You know what's great about Sheath Underwear? It never freezes on you like this. That's not what Sheath Underwear is about. All right, hold on. We'll get this last slide up here. Use promo code RYM. You get 20% off. All right, here we go. Uh, this is from Disclosed.tv. Now, Rungus, the largest wholesale fresh produce market in the world, is on fire in Paris. Here's another uh, expert that I've got to track down is uh, what is going on with the food supply? Because I can't tell if I'm being suckered. Like two years ago, I never saw stories about endless factories, supply plants, and reductions of food supplies because of wars in Ukraine and because of weather patterns and uh, reductions in nitrogen and people not getting their fertilizer. Uh, I never saw these stories, but then I also can't tell because I don't know futures in the grain market or any of the supply lines of any of this stuff to possibly be able to understand if this is uh, some fucking crazy ass fear mongering for people like me to get suckered to fill up their uh, their their closets with my Patreon meals, or if there's actually an issue next year. So I'm I'm fascinated by this topic. If you guys have any experts to recommend on the food supplies, oh, I guess people are listening to this podcast, so I can't just put the thing up and not tell them what the story was. Uh, headline, Rungus, the largest wholesale fresh produce market in the world, is on fire in Paris. I think I actually did already read that. All right, that's enough for our episode. Uh, let's take a uh, couple of uh, comments, and that'll be it. We will have done it. We will have had a good time. I can pull this down now. I can go full screen. I can take up my entire screen now. All right, here we go. Uh, Blake Snow. All right, let's start with this one. Libertarian podcast review. Our homeless here in CA are working on India-style outdoor bathrooms. You see, engineers, 
Yeah, they can they can bring those people right into New York City and they can help them set up a homeless camp like it's nothing. Shanty towns everywhere. Blake Snow. Yeah, walking through downtown Portland has waterfall shits on each wall letting you know how they mark their territory. I remember, I think I've already told the story on the podcast. I was only in Portland once, did not like Portland. Did very much so like um, uh, Port Locks, wherever I went after there, was, which was absolutely beautiful. Uh, that river drive from Portland to the area I was in. Uh, the little forest run uh, walk that uh, me and Kyle did. The area is beautiful. Portland itself is disgusting. And what I was particularly shocked by is sometimes I, uh, on the road, I don't sleep well on the road. Sometimes I wake up early in the morning. I woke up like 6 a.m. I was like, you know what? I'm going to go walk. I'm going to go take an early morning walk and see the sights and scenes. And all I was treated to were homeless people coming out of their tent and just pouring their piss and shit into the street. It was the most disgusting early morning peaceful walk I've ever taken in my entire life. All right. Uh, Libertarian Podcast re- uh, Review. Yes, Dumping Ever. Forest Mommy. Everyone, go check out uh, Forest Mommy. She's been banned by Twitter. Had an incredible account. Showing off incredible pictures, and they banned her. So go follow her Instagram. Go check out the uh, the Scissor Sisters Sunday streams. Uh, good podcast. I've been on there a couple times. And, of course, we did uh, some report store out there. Forest Mommy, don't knock street shit until you try it. There you go. Fair enough. I haven't tried. I haven't. I have not tried. Uh, usually I'm shy even in my own bathroom. But, no, I haven't tried just hitting my street in the morning. Uh, Kelly Kalisa, I got a sheet deal with their end of summer clearance plus RYM promo code on a bunch of their girl stuff. So thanks for the discount, Robbie the Fire. There you go. Fan reviews coming in. Everyone loves the sheaths. Go stock up. G-Nice, best underwear I own, and they don't even have to pay me. Sheath. You see, people love it. Moderately amused. What's the point of hitting the bell if you don't get a notice? Um, that's on the people of YouTube. You know, you got to complain to their department. Uh, Luke, I ain't really homeless, blacked out a few nights ago and peed a tiny bit in the entryway to my room. Oops, fair enough. Uh, Kalano, Robbie, bringing the fire. All right, that's our show. Thanks for hanging out with us. Probably back on Wednesday morning with another episode, and then probably maybe again on Friday. And then Saturday, I should have plugged this earlier in the show, uh, we've got myself, BK Chris, Menu and Heart, Justin Silver, out in Maryland. Uh, firstly, they've got all the incredible, delicious fall brews. This is fall season. The the, the, the trees are tra- changing. It's beautiful out there. This is a brewery. They specialize in like the West Coast easy drinkers. You know, your IPAs, uh, your light lagers. But if you're showing up for this show, man, you get, firstly, they got good food there also. But you get to show up. You get to try some of the delicious fall brews. And then, of course, we're going to have a hell of a comedy show. Justin Silver headlining me, Menu and Heart, BK Chris, all doing sets. Uh... I have some jokes that I've reworked since the last DC show, but not really. I I need to work on that. All right, that's our show. Thanks, everybody. Have a good one. Bye.